Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. We are looking live, ladies and gentlemen, at one of my favorite places. I'm sure it's one of your favorite places, too. We're hanging out here at Twin Peaks, a Stassi location. Uh, there's a Twin Peaks near you, but if you're in the neighborhood of the Stassi location, come on out and hang out with us. We'll be out here till 6.30. But if you're in uh, Round Rock or in San Marcos, hell, go to the Twin Peaks near you. Get the weekend started the right way. Uh, it is 512 Friday right here on Ball Don't Lie. We play jams from local bands and artists that you can catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is the Grooveline Horns. Remember I told you about these guys. They were in that Matthew yep. McConaughey video. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's but these perfect. guys play every Tuesday night over at Seaboys uh, on Congress. If you ever want to go check them out. This is kind of what there they do. Go. got Trey God, the MC, uh, do, putting some verses on it. I like nice. it. And my man Patrick always keeping you in the know. And also, uh, in case you need to know about these locations that he's listing uh, for 512 Friday, go to hornfm.com. Uh, you can catch up with them right there. He lists them all for you. He's always working hard. I don't know where he finds the time, honestly. And we always appreciate his efforts. All right. Uh, you can always hit us up. Uh, obviously, Specs Text Line, not the way to go for us today. We're on the road amongst the people. But you can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Babies in the Twitterverse. My man Harge at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Patrick Davis back at the ARN compound holding it down and you can reach out to him uh, at it's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse at it's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse all right Harge uh, you actually wanted to get into a couple of uh, topics here talking about Texas and Kansas as well uh, even relating to the uh, the sound that we have from Sark from the zoom availability uh, you want to get into the culture yeah, because this is a culture win. Yeah, this is. A, well, I, I say, I, you know what? I'm thinking positive. It's a culture game, opportunity for a culture win. I like that. But I, I already said it's a win. But it, it is. It's a test for the culture. Yeah, absolutely. It's, this is one of those things where you're looking at the performance of last week. You're coming off of a high yep. in a big game, and then you come back and you, let's be honest, you lay an egg on this a dud out there. Come on now. And now you're getting ready to go on a road to a team that beat you last year, and kind of changed the momentum of their program. Yes, they did. And then left a little bit of egg on the face of this program. So everybody's kind trying to figure out what's next. And so he was asked at the presser yesterday about the big picture message and what is he relaying to the team and what can they expect moving forward. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's sometimes what we say in our team meeting is for us, but the reality of it is this. We have an opportunity. If, if we can win our final two games, there's an opportunity there that, that presents where we could be in the Big 12 championship game. Um, so I, I like to do that with the guys because I don't like them to act like I'm not aware of what's happening. I, I, you know, we're aware and I'm transparent with them. 
But then I turn right around and I drill right down to what's the most important thing. And that's this week's game. And then what's the most important thing to this week's game. And that's today, you know, in our world, we say it all the time. Today is the most important day and making sure that we have the focus, the mental intensity on today of what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish, why it's important to accomplish these things and what it can mean for Saturday. And so that's kind of how we layered it with them, um, you know, without getting into all the particulars uh, that, that we touched on. I like that. I like the fact that, you know, what we talk about in our locker room is something that we're going to say here. Yeah, you're right. But we understand that. I wanted them to understand that I know what we're playing for. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes yep. they try to push it off to the side and, you know, we're, we're trying to go 1-0 and this week. Well, you are. We understand that. It's important for you to be 1-0. and But it's also the goals that you set at the very beginning of the year and you relayed them, them to us numerous times is that's to play for a Big 12 championship. Yep. And you still have an outside chance of that happening. Obviously, you need some help. But the most important thing you need to do is win the next two ball games. Damn right. That's the only way you could even be in the consideration for being in the Big 12 championship. So him talking to his team, relaying that message, I thought was very important. No, you're right. I mean, it's – and, you know, I'm glad that Sarek's like, hey, man, there's certain things that are discussed just for us. Obviously. And I, what I do appreciate about uh, Sarek is that he is pretty open and forthcoming about stuff, and yep. almost yep. to a fault, you can, you can argue. Right. Right. Um, it, you know, the players only meeting stuff and something ends up kind of, you know, we throw it back in his face as members of the media. But I, I like the fact that he is pretty open. You ask him a question, he's going to give you a – a, a thoughtful answer. Yes. He'll give you a thoughtful answer. We may not like it, but it's a thoughtful answer. I think it's an honest answer, too. Yeah. Um, and I like that he's like, hey, man, you know what? It's not, that's, all that's not for you. Because I think they had another players-only meeting. But I think because we've mocked so many of them. Yeah, it's not getting out. I, they ain't getting out. I think, like, yeah, yeah. Quit telling these, these, these people out here about our players-only meetings. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. Because Jay Witt. In-house. Remember last time, they were both unsolicited. Yes. Sark told us about the first one, unsolicited, because he was really proud of the guys. He was like, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. Because they decided, no, 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 unacceptable. I didn't have to call them together. I heard about, oh, no, players-only meeting, Coach. We're doing it right now. Sense of urgency. Like, right, right got, got off the plane, started hearing about, no, nah, we got to get it straight. On the, on the, on the, on the trip back, you started hearing, yeah. hey, no, nah, we have no players-only meeting. Rojo was the one that was throwing it out there. We got to get this ish together. This ain't happening. Off the rip, and, yeah. And they, and they fixed it, right? They got the West Virginia game after that, the Oklahoma game, the Iowa State game. Uh, then you have another uh, setback. I right, just called that a setback. We lost to Oklahoma State. Another player's only meeting. Yep. And Jay Witt told us about that one. I bet they had another one, but he's like, no, nah, you're not going to hear about this one. But what he thinks, and I agree with him, they're good for the culture of the program because they're players that are deciding, all right, we had a setback. How do we keep that from happening again? What do we need to do to make sure that we take the necessary steps to, to keep that setback from spiraling our season right because last year it right. spiraled on them i think they're like no no because everybody loses games i mean hell there's only like four undefeated teams left in the country it's hard to be undefeated right. but what you can control is are you improving week to week are you getting better week to week and the truth is for texas they're not right they're not, not not every phase is getting better week to week. we still have yet we still have yet we're come on guys we're going into what week 10 this is week no week eleven. Week eleven. Week yeah. eleven. Yeah. We have still yet to see Texas play a full fourth quarter game with all three phases. Hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened. Honestly, I don't know if it's happened under Sark yet. Honestly. And that's the frustrating part. And 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 for those that 
are looking at it week to week like we have to. But we have also have to look at the big picture yeah, part of that's this. That's a test for the coach. Yeah, we're sitting there looking at it, and we're saying, okay, how do you get to that point? Yeah. And let's just say you do get to that point. You do get it to where you're, you, you get a fourth quarter, you play all fourth quarters. But do you do it again and again exactly. and again and again? Yeah. So that is the thing that we keep looking week for. To week. Build on it. Build on it. It's, yeah. a great, it's a great way of saying it. I totally agree with you. That's the frustration for Longhorn fans is that you don't know what team you're going to get week to week. Has the team improved? Of course they've improved. Give that coaching staff credit. Give that locker room a ton of credit because they decided that the last year was unacceptable, and I am seeing development. I'm seeing yeah. guys get better. I can I can probably list, you know, five, six, seven guys off the top of my head right now, much better than they were last year. Hell, I can start with the D-line alone right? and just go list those guys. Right. Bo Davis is doing a hell of a job. I think uh, uh, Coach Choate did a hell of a job, too, with the group. PK yep. uh, with the remarkable turnaround for the defense. They've all done a good job, and they're much better than they were last year. But the truth is the ultimate test for football teams is to get better week to week and, as Hart said, to build on the last performance. Last performance for the defense was an awesome one. Unbelievable. It was a championship-level yes, performance. Yes, Can they build on that going into this week? Right. The offense, problem with them is we never know what offense we're going to see week exactly. to week. We have no idea. We thought we knew the offensive identity of this team. It should be Bijan all day, every day. Put some Bijan on it. I'm yeah. not sure if Sark feels the same way. Uh, because last week, what did Bijan have? 12 rushes? 12 rushes. And, and zero no targets. No targets. Not even a target. That, 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 it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Did you get flustered to the point that you, you forgot didn't about know what Yes. <laughs> make it make sense. You forgot about Bijan? Right. Like, what, about what, your best what is going on with you? <laughs> like, yeah. are, I mean, were you just like, ah, oh, guys are dropping passes. Ah, oh, missed, missed assignments on the offensive line. What can I do to fix this? I can't find the solutions right now. What is happening? Was that what was happening? Did you get overwhelmed? Did you get caught up in the current and you couldn't swim your way out of that? It's happened before. I think it's some of that. I, I think also, because Sark, remember, I told you, Sark found elements that started to work. He did make adjustments. So I think now we have to, we have to adjust our critique, right? The other thing right. was, we don't have second-half adjustments. No, no, no. There were adjustments because you really didn't have a successful game plan. Your preparation was moot because you had to throw that whole damn thing out after the first three or four drives. We did see adjustments. He decided to go to Jay Witt with the wide receiver screen, right, The with the, the bubble screen. And that worked out really well because they were stacking the box. And what do I always say? If you're losing the numbers advantage one place in football, you're winning it somewhere you're else. You're winning somewhere else. <laughs> you're yeah. losing it at the line yeah. of scrimmage. That means you're winning it outside. And Sark figured that out, but a little too late. Probably should have figured it out about a quarter earlier. He went to more three-by-one sets to stress out that three-high, three-down look. He went to more empty formation. Remember, they ran four empty formation plays in the second half. And Quinn Ewers, as bad as he was in that game, 4-4 four, four in the second half with empty formation. Right. Probably should have found that out a little bit earlier. What? Probably should have been gratuitous. What happened with, with that? that? Usage. It was quick game, quick game, throwing the screen exactly. out there. It Come automatically on. speeds up the time yes. clock for the quarterback. Yes. Clears, cleans up his read. Everybody know I've been preaching about empty formation for three years on this show. Yep. So he found those things out. He just found them too late in the game. And he started playing more 12 personnel. I think that helped him out a little bit too. Uh, just true 12. One back, two tight ends. Not the 6-0 line package. Yeah. So he found like four or five things. Just found them too late. But also, I don't think he was aggressive enough. I don't think he was gratuitous enough. When you find out what works, you Run just it. over and over yeah, again. Buddy. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. Yes. Once you know it works, go for it. And make them adjust. 
to what you have exploited, and then once they adjust to that, there'll be something else that else you can exploit. There'll be yes, yeah. there'll be another element of that defense that's vulnerable. And Sark, he just he, he didn't play the chess match very well. It just took him way too long to make those. Yeah. Did make adjustments, just not quick enough this time. Yeah, and that's the one thing that we continue to talk about is like okay. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week on our pregame show, by the way, Lavaca Street tomorrow. We Shout start out. at 1030 Lavaca Street downtown location OG. on Lavaca, the original. <laughs> the one thing that I keep talking about is the game plan is Sark. So whatever we look at as far as the players are concerned, it's what he's calling. Yeah. And so he's got to be on his A game as a play no caller tomorrow. We yep. expect that because you got your one mulligan. You took an L in that mulligan. Now is your opportunity to go back out there, regardless of the situation, and show us that you are an elite or a great play caller. I won't know if we'll go elite. I don't know if we'll go we'll elite. Go, we don't I don't know, know if, if, we'll I don't if you can make up the ground to become elite this year right. as a play caller. You He's an elite play designer. You may even call him an elite offensive mind if you want to. But when it comes to play calling specifically, yeah. that's about adjusting. That's about in-game adjustments. That's about being able to play the chess match within the game. He doesn't do that very well. We know that from the second half prior to the TCU game. And now we know that from the TCU game overall. So, yeah, I think we can all, and, and I've been saying that for a while, but I think now it's pretty clear to long-run fans. He's not a great, he's not an elite play caller, and that's fine. But he doesn't have to be an elite play caller, yeah. but he's got to be an effective one. He's got to be effective. <laughs> all right, you got to be elite, but you got to be effective. turn that over to somebody, too. If you're yeah. not going to be able to get your game going, turn it over to somebody else and get the game going. Ooh. I know it's your game. Let's make it happen, and that's why you got to make sure this week is way better than last week. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is Xavier Worthy. A lot of conversation about him and how his body language, you know, the Twitter people are always looking at it. Xavier Worthy is a – we could consider him an elite player in this league. We said he, he is, was probably but he's the not, number he's not, one. I will admit he's not playing like that right now. Exactly. I'll, I'll admit he's not playing like that right now. He's not. And that period. was one of the questions that was he's asked. He's regressing. And that's on Brendan Marion. I love Brendan Marion. Yep. But that's on Brendan Marion. We're watching Texas' best receiver regress. And not I, I be want the that guy here. That we expect. I love me some Brendan Marion more, right. more than anybody on this campus. I wanted him here four years ago to coach for Tom Herman. I will, I, I'm going to keep it real even when keeping it real goes wrong. Right now, it's only one wide receiver that's gotten better. Exactly. That's Jay Witt. Jay Witt, and he keeps and getting better. Everybody else, Casey Kane, regress. Oh, yeah. Xavier Worthy, oh, yeah. regressing. Yep. Yeah. So. Haven't been able to find the third wide receiver. Yeah, we're still looking still for looking that, that, so guy. we should have been able to find that so, by now. I'll admit that. So Coach Sark was asked about Xavier Worthy and what is the demeanor and the work ethic that he displays every single day. Yeah, I think Xavier's a great player. Xavier's a great, um, extremely hard worker. You know, if you ever, I know you guys can't come to practice, but he's the first guy at practice every day working on his craft. Um, one of the last guys to leave every day very detail oriented. We ask a lot of him um, and he competes at a really high level. Um, you know, the guys scored 21 touchdowns in 22 career games. He's got nine touchdown catches on the year. Um, I, I think, you know, he set the standard and the bar really high for himself uh, and for all of us. Uh, and that's something that, you know, we all should strive to do. We all want to create as, as high of a bar for ourselves um, that means you're performing at a high level. And then now you try to meet that standard and exceed it. Um, and he goes about his business that way every single day. And so really proud of him. 
I, I'm well aware of, you know, the better, the better we go offensively, that means the better he's going and we're finding ways to get him the ball and space to create explosive plays. Uh, and we'll continue to do that, but uh, I couldn't be more impressed with what he brings on a daily basis. And that's what it's all about right there. Bringing it on a daily basis, showing improvement. As you said, right, right now, He's got a lot of ground to make up for the way that he played last he week and, the, and the, the way he's played the last couple weeks no. because he hasn't been that effective. Maybe it's the miscommunications on the deep ball. Maybe it's because they're not in sync the way that they once were. But it's been a rough go for both yours and X-Man. And as you said, the best player on the team the last couple of weeks has been Jay Witt, and he seems to be improving every single week. Yeah, I mean, at, at, at the receiver position, and you wonder now, you know, Sark was asked after the TCU game, is there any offensive player you yeah, think had a good game? Exactly. He says Jay Witt. Jay Witt. That was it. Yep. Does, does that, you know, earn Jay Witt more feature status in the offense, right? He got his first I've target. I've been begging for it. I didn't get, you have been begging for it. I'll give you credit. You have been begging for it a ton. You know, he gets his first target, uh, I believe, late in the second half. Yes. I'm oh, no, sorry, late in the second quarter, I mean. He's late in the second quarter, he gets his first target. Um, and then after that, in that second half, they finally find him with that wide receiver screen. And that was mid-third yeah, quarter mid-third, when they yeah. figured that out. You know, why not feature him just a little bit more uh, in certain situations? Because it can be uh, hugely beneficial for this offense. He just adds a different element, a different dimension. There's a physicality in the passing yeah. game that he has that you don't get with X-Man. That you, you know, you don't get with Casey Kane, whoever's out. He does physicality to the passing game that once he gets the ball in his hands, it, it changes the, uh, to me, it changes the entire uh, offense because yep. he's out there on the perimeter and yet he can bring a power to your perimeter passing and other guys don't really have that. You got, you got speed everywhere. He brings power to it. Agreed. You can't bring him down in the open field kind of thing. I love uh, it. Yeah, I so uh, it. I, I, hopefully he'll be a part of it. And if Jay Witt's involved in the offense, you know what? I'll get into that in Rod's round today because I think that actually is key. I can kind of build on what you've been suggesting, Harsh, for like a couple of weeks now yeah. that they involve Jay Witt more in the offense. And I think that actually would fit into my suggestion as to how Sark can get Quinn Ewers in a groove and in a rhythm early Come on, on with it. Come on with it. Which is what you it. want to do. So we'll do that coming up in Rod's round today. Before we do that, though, let me tell you, but my friends over at Steiner Ranch Steakhouse. Now, we all know that you know Steiner Ranch Steakhouse is one of the best restaurants in Central Texas. You're talking about the best views along with the, the most exquisite cuisine and the best service of any restaurant in Central Texas. And that's what I love about Steiner Ranch Steakhouse. What you may not know is that my friends at Steiner Ranch Steakhouse now are offering you a chance to bring Steiner Ranch Steakhouse home for the holidays. That's right, folks. Now, my friends at Steiner Ranch Steakhouse are giving you a chance to bring the fantastic, amazing dishes of Steiner Ranch Steakhouse home for the holidays and all you got to do folks uh, is, is go to steinersteakhouse.com and you can uh, go there and uh, you can reserve your Thanksgiving family feast for my good friends at Steiner Ranch Steakhouse that's right folks now you can have all the best uh, the Steiner Ranch Steakhouse dishes and you can have those for your, your family for your Thanksgiving Day family feast it's a beautiful thing it takes all the stress and all the headaches out of your holiday experience now you can focus on the family and let my friends at Steiner Ranch Steakhouse focus 
on the food. Now, we always know every Thanksgiving, we love it. It's about family. It's about food. It's about football. But once everything's done, you're sitting around fat and happy in a food coma. You're worried about who's going to clean up the mess. Well, with Steiner Ranch Steakhouse Thanksgiving Family Feast, you don't have to worry about who's cleaning up the mess. My friends over at Steiner Ranch Steakhouse will take care of all the stress and all the hassles of your Thanksgiving holiday. They call it their Thanksgiving Feast. It's a heat and serve menu. It allows you to choose from what items you like prepared. Uh, you can enjoy Texas Hickory Smoked uh, Turkey, also Smoked Prime Rib, Smoked to Perfection, feeding up to 20 people. And you can pair that with succulent sides and desserts like lobster mac and cheese, sweet potato casserole, bourbon chocolate pecan pie, completing a Thanksgiving feast the family will enjoy. Plus, you don't have to worry about cleaning up at all. So go to SteinerSteakhouse.com to reserve your Thanksgiving family feast by November 19th. That's SteinerSteakhouse.com. Limited quantities available. All right, we'll come back. We'll continue our discussion, our breakdown and preview of Texas versus Kansas. And I'll tell you how I think Sark should approach this game offensively to help get his young quarterback back on the right track. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 on The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butt. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for Rod's rant of the day. And, of course, we're just talking Texas, Kansas. Um, And, of course, the Longhorns going into this Kansas game. And there are a lot of Longhorn fans who are a little anxious about this matchup concerning what happened last season. Um, But Texas is in a much better position than they were last year to handle this this Kansas squad um, because Kansas is not a team that's going to win with complimentary football. They're just going to win by trying to outscore you. Uh, and Texas, Texas' offensive struggles, this is actually the perfect slump buster for them, actually, um, because you go look at the, the, the rankings, statistical rankings of this Kansas defense, and, folks, I've given it to you, but it's one of the worst defenses in the country. It just is. 117th in total uh, defense, 104, uh, 104th, I should say, in yards per play allowed, 93rd in rush defense, 118th. In pass defense, 122nd in third down defense, uh, 103rd in scoring defense. I mean, you get it. Uh, if Texas can't find their groove versus this group, which is uh, also you go look at their their havoc rate, which is splash plays made by the defense, forced fumbles, fumble recovery, sacks, tackles for loss, interceptions, PBUs, they are the worst havoc rate defense in the Big 12, which means they have the least – amount of splash plays of any defense in the Big 12. They don't make a lot of plays on their defense. So they don't force a lot of negative plays by the opposing offense, which should be really good for Texas going into this game. The one thing against TCU, TCU forced a ton of negative plays because they had the personnel to be able to penetrate and get in the backfield. Now, this is what we do know about Kansas, right? They're going to try to replicate the same recipe, the same blueprint that K-State tried to use, TCU probably perfected, but even Oklahoma State broke it out. You stack the box and stop Bijan at all costs. The, the wrinkle that TCU added, which is I think you're going to see from Kansas, they're going to run blitz on early downs, and they're going to blitz, run blitz from that second level because when they come from that second level, those young old linemen don't necessarily know where they're coming from. It's tough to pick those guys up. You got to have a lot of, you know, sa- savvy experience and a lot of communication on the offensive line to be able to pick up those guys who are shooting those gaps and run blitzing on those early downs. I think you're going to see that from Kansas. They can't match up 
body for body with Texas on the on the lines of scrimmage, their D-line versus Texas O-line. But if they can just win the leverage battle, you know, get, get good angles, steal some gaps. That's how you steal some gaps that way. They're going to try to do it. I think early on that's what you're going to see from Kansas. Now for Texas, if you know they're going to try to replicate what TCU did, and like I said, they, they, can, they can try to use the same recipe, but they don't have the same ingredients. So it won't be the same. I think Texas will still have more success versus them than they have versus TCU, even though they're going to try to follow the same recipe. But you know, now you've learned how these teams are going to try to attack you, and you know what the weaknesses are. If they're going to stack the box, which they will early on rundowns to stop Bijan, and don't let that take away Bijan, by the way. You, TCU stacked the box against Texas a ton on early downs, and, and Sark let them take away Bijan because of that. Mm-hmm. You, that's your number one failure as a, right, as a play caller and right. a play designer. You let them take away your best player because of their strategy and their tactic? Bad. Yep. That's terrible. Yep. That's Coach Stevens stuff. All right? So th- th- I think for Sark, automatically – he knows the adjustment because of TCU. He found it, right? It was since you're losing the numbers of battle uh, in, the, in, the, in the box, all right? They're outnumbering you in the box or stacking the box against you or matching you in the box. You've got the numbers advantage on the outside. If you're losing the numbers advantage on the football field somewhere, you're winning it elsewhere. Let's go find out where you're winning it. And he was winning it on the perimeter. Went to Jay Witt. This is, goes to your point about what you want hard. You want more Jay Witt featured in the offense. I think you'll get it if Sark, if he does – just tweak the offense because he's not going to change it. Tweak the offense where early on he focuses on getting his quarterback in a groove and getting yes. him in a rhythm. Yes. Quick game, 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 quick game. If he focuses on that early, I think it'll be because of a J. It'll be Jay Witt feature as the guy on those tunnel screens or the bubble screen or the smoke screen because he he runs those better than X Men. Because he's more powerful when he gets the ball. He can break more attack when he gets the ball in his hands. You saw that versus TCU. Versus TCU in the second half, they ran one of those same screens, that smoke screen, uh, or maybe it was like a bubble screen, if you will, yeah. to X-Man. X-Man couldn't break a tackle. And not saying he doesn't, but he couldn't break a tackle versus that team. He's not Jay a Wood? running back. He's a wide receiver. Hell, you know, Jay Wood, he was at home. Yeah. He was like, oh, this is easy. I got yeah. oh, that footwork. One-on-one uh, uh, uh. One ain't none. What? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for Sark, recognize that if they stack that box, right. you, got, you already know your easy adjustment because that's the same adjustment you made, maybe a little too late, same adjustment that was made in that game versus CCU. Also, adjustment they made, Harge, going back to your Jay Wood point. Some of those wide receiver uh, screens for Jay Weed were RPOs. More RPOs for your young yes, quarterback. Not yes. only the quick game, get the ball out of his hands quickly, let your playmakers work in space, scheme open one-on-ones in space, and then work, let them get the yak yards for you. All right? And then have your quarterback making those e- – give him, give him layups. Right. <laughs> giving him easy, high-percentage passes, get him in a groove, and then we take the shots downfield. So I'm not saying don't take the shots downfield. I'm saying – can we get a? Can we get the young quarterback in a group? Can we get him, you know, a little confident first? Can we get Please. him in a rhythm first? Yes. All right. Can we ease our way into this thing? Sark just wants to just go all in, all gas, no break. No, I want to ease into it a little bit. <clears throat> so you ain't got to change it. I know he's going to throw his deep shots, but you got to get your young quarterback in the group. And to Hardy's point, Jay Wick can be a. If you want to feature him and reward him for balling out on the yes. big stage at TCU, feature him early. You can feature him with the quick game and the RPO game. He's your natural RPO read when you got that in the slot right. when they run that glance route. It's him, and he's great at it, by the way. 
I expect to see it in well, this matchup. And, the glance, and, and by the way, the RPO is just a combination of the quick game and the run game. This is an amalgamation of the two. And like you said, you're still going to get your opportunities to take your shots take down the shots? field because what's going to end up happening, everybody's going to have to come up because they're going to respect you. Yeah, and plus you know you slather in this game plan in right. Bijan. We know that. Right. You got two true road wins in your tenure here at Texas, and both of those games are the only two games where Bijan also, and it ain't no coincidence, also had at least 30 rushes in the game in his career at Texas. Come on, man. So if he don't have at least 30 rushes and you lose this game, you're going to be Coach Steven for the rest of the season. Right. <laughs> like and not give you Sark back. Yeah, you'll you, be Coach Steven for the rest of the you've season. You've been stripped of your Sarkness. <laughs> you mean, <laughs> <laughs> we stripped you of your Sarkness. Of your I'm sorry. Because that's yeah. too easy, right? Yeah. Too easy. Yeah. You just had a game coming off, a game where you didn't target Bijan at all, and he had 12 touches in the biggest game of the season. You got two true road wins in your tenure here at Texas. Those are also, coincidentally, the only two games in Bijan's career where he had at least 30 rushes in a game. It ain't rocket science, man. Right, right. It ain't rocket science. This is easy. You give it to Bijan at least 30 times, and I'll give Rojo to the other 10 and get to 40 between the Thank two of you. them. Uh, but we're talking about and your- you're going to be in cold weather where there's going to be wind. That actually, I didn't even think about that, and you're right. That, that's a great point. I mean, come yeah, on, yeah. bro. Exactly. Even more reason not to be chunking it downfield. Exactly. <laughs> Let your quarterback get warm. Yes. Let him warm up. Let him get yes. in the groove and the rhythm. And I want short, high percentage passes. Quick game, 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 quick game. And RPOs. Then the RPOs. Early on. Yep. The RPOs are simple reads. Yep. Right? He, he's reading the, the box. He's reading yep. one defender. Simple half field yep. reads. Yep. Same thing at the quick game. You know it. Hey, man, if that is reading leverage, he's inside, he's outside. Probably going to be an option route. If he's inside, we're going to run the quick out. He's outside. Probably going to run the slant. slant. Yep. I mean, let's get the quick game going and d- encourage a quarterback to take the check down. Uh, a four or five yard pickup by uh, a Bijan in the flat, I'll take that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. So, yes, he's going to take his deep shots because he's a big game hunter. But I would like early on. I want early on the quick game, the small game, and then we'll lure them into kind of a false sense of security, and then we'll take our deep shots later on in the game. Yep. So it's about when the deep shots come, not you know really uh, in how they come, but not necessarily trying to decrease them because that ain't happening. That's just Sark. Another thing, though, I mean, we talked about this, your young quarterback, right? He is struggling right now. We know he's got a ton of upside. I mean, it's I, – I, you're, you you compare him to Jeff George, and we played a cut from Trent Dilfer yesterday. Same comparison. Yeah. He said he's Jeff George. He said he is a once-in-a-generational arm talent. He's talk, we're talking about this guy, yep. arm talent comes along once every 50 years. Yep. That's what he's saying. But he also said, like like I said, listen, just because you're well-endowed don't mean you're a great lover. Right. I mean, it takes sure. more than that. It takes you got to worry about the footwork. Yeah. You got to worry about being leadership. Your poise in the pocket. You got your accuracy is big. You know yeah. all these different things, right? Your your football play IQ. A huge part all these it. things play yeah. a huge part in whether you're going to be a great quarterback. Being a having a generational arm talent that is something That's that great. everybody agrees on. Nobody disagrees with it. Yeah. Is he going to be a generational quarterback talent? Right. Instead, of just the arm talent. That's the key. and what Trent Differ said is, I want to see Quinn Ewers become obsessed with the boring mundane details yeah. about quarterbacking. Yeah. The footwork, right? The most uh, the important part about it. Yeah, just the really the yeah. simple things, the little tiny things. Um, but one thing, t- 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 basically what we're looking for from Quinn since he is struggling, like I said, he's, the last three weeks, last three games, I should say, completing yeah. 45% of his passes, four touchdowns, four interceptions. You want to get him in a groove, you want easy completions. And, and I've been targeting this or charting this, I should say, for a while. And 
if you the easiest completion in the Sark offense, I'll give you the easiest completion in a Sark offense is targets to motion. It's the easiest completion in a Sark offense. Yep. When when Sark allows his players to target a player <clears throat> who is in motion at the time of the snap, or in in motion at, at before the snap. So in motion at the time of the snap or before the snap. So a shift or a motion, and when he targets that player, he doesn't. The quarterback targets that specific player that was in motion before or at the time of the snap. Eighty-three percent completion percentage. Man. Eighty-three percent. Eighty-three percent completion percentage. Nearly ten yards per attempt. Nearly ten yards per attempt. So, if I'm Sark in this matchup, I want to see him scheme open a lot of you know targets to motion, right? Scheme up, and I think the most he had was versus Alabama actually, because that was a really elaborate exotic game plan. Yeah, and he schemed open a lot of <clears throat> targets to motion. In this game, I'd like to see that because it's really tough for defenders to be able to win that leverage battle when you're targeting motion. And you can do it with a lot of different guys. And it almost helps your your quick game, too, because usually now, every now and then, he'll target a motion guy deep. Usually yeah, it's yeah, X-Man. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, targets to motion are usually somewhere in a short to intermediate range. It's usually a short game, usually between, between 0 to 10 yards. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, 9.8 yards per attempt, like before 10 yards. But you go look at the explosive play rate, uh, the percentage of plays that result in a 15-plus yard gain when you're, pre, you're uh, targeting motion, 29%. So you're at a 29% explosive play rate just when you target motion. I, I think that should be one of the keys in this game early on. RPO rates, quick game, targets to motion. Yeah. And, and it's, you're talking about easy completions for a young quarterback early on. That's, how that's what I want to see from Sark. That's, that's right. how you help him. That's we we you know help. you're going to slather the game plan in Bijan. We yep. know that. Yep. Bijan's getting 30-some touches. So you ain't got to worry about the identity of the offense or if the offense gets off track. Bijan will keep it on track. What you're worried about now, how do I get my young quarterback confident and comfortable? Easy completions. Love it. That's how you do it. It, it ain't it ain't rocking. It's running out for you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he, and we got examples of it. Uh, within this offense. I mean, there are tons of examples of him you know, basically scheming up what I should say are, he calls them opportunity throws. They're just easy completions for your quarterback. And in that last game, and I don't know if they'll start using it more, but I suggest they do. We don't know if Kansas is going to run any three high, three down. They don't run three high, three down. But considering it is the kryptonite, <laughs> all right, for, uh, for, for Coach Sark, and he ha- his teams are now, I think, averaging 25 points per game the last two years versus teams at major and minor in the three high, three down. If I was Kansas, I would break it out situationally. Why not? I'd break it out in third down. I'd yeah. break it out to try to confuse that young quarterback. So they should be ready for it. And if you're going to be ready for the three after now, keep in mind. And I, I, I just went and looked it up and did a little quick research. That empty formation, remember, you want to stress the three high, three down, force them to reveal their, their – or at least force them to reveal whatever coverage, responsibility, or landmark the defenders are going to um, be taking. And when you stress them formationally, they have to get to their coverage responsibility. They cannot afford to sacrifice uh, their coverage responsibilities and landmarks for pre-snap disguise. They right. won't do it. It won't ever happen. The last game, Quinn Ewers, who's been struggling, right, the last two, three weeks been struggling, he was 4 of 6 in empty formation for 51 yards, and he had three first downs uh, versus K-State, one of two for 18 yards and a first down. They're not using it a lot, but it's really effective 
versus the three high three down. So last two weeks you've been facing three high three down teams and you're completing nearly 63% of your passes uh, in empty formation for uh, a little over seven and a half yards per attempt. But here's the key though, 44% first down or touchdown rate and a 22% explosive play rate. And by the way, they do have a rush out of it too. So you're getting explosive chunk yardage plays out of it and your quarterback is comfortable and empty because it cleans up his pre-snap read, makes it really easy for him, and there is no pre-snap disguise when you're, fa- when you're facing empty as a defender. That's it. You're playing what you're playing. Yeah, you see it all the and way. And you go with God. Yep, yep. You let go and let God. That's the way it goes. Um, so I, I would expect maybe a little bit more empty, even if they don't play three high, three down. Seems to clean things up for a young quarterback like Quinn Ewers. Yep. Okay, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into another off the record on the other side. We're live from the Twin Peaks, the Stassi location. Come out here and join us. We got two more segments. Got the next segment, and then we got one more. And then we give you up to the flex. Still got time to get the weekend started right here at Twin Peaks, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams that reach the top. Uh, sorry, we play jams from local bands and artists. Man, mine just went off there. They reached the top Took of Friday the out, too. yeah. We yeah. play jams from local bands and artists that you can catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is the Soapboxers. They are playing uh, tonight at Hole in the Wall. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure a lot of these bands reach the, uh, reach the top of the Billboard charts. Oh, yeah, exactly. And maybe they will they one will, day. They will. And that's why you should get out there and see these uh, very talented human beings. Uh, my man, uh, my man uh, Patrick is uh, promoting on a 512 Friday. Go to hornfm.com if you want to uh, check out uh, some of the local bands and artists. He's already suggested. He's already uh, got the uh, information up there for you in case you missed it at hornfm.com. So thanks to Patrick for all of his hard work. All right, let's get to uh, our latest off the record here. Sports-related hard, and people are upset about this. I mean, this is apparently big news. You got the World Cup, mm-hmm. all right, which is uh, starting up. And uh, we got, what, a few days from the World Cup starting up. Mm-hmm. And apparently the sale of all beer uh, with alcohol at the uh, eight World Cup stadiums was banned today. Two days before the soccer tournament is set to start, uh, there is no alcohol allowed. Alcohol has been disallowed from all these what? venues. Non-alcoholic beer will still be sold in the six, at the 64 matches in the country, but following discussions between host country authorities and FIFA, a decision has been made to focus the sale of alcoholic beverages on the FIFA Fan Festival, other fan destinations, and licensed venues, removing sales points of beer from stadium perimeters. Wow. That means you can't be close. You got to keep it moving. So you got a pregame. You got a pregame for real. For real, for real. You got a pregame to pregame. So people are going to be trying to sneak in a lot of alcohol into these stadiums, too, by the way. That's all there. That's all that's going to happen. They're going to be trying to sneak in a ton of alcohol into these stadiums. Um, Yeah, but apparently this is a decision that was kind of made at at least it was announced maybe at the last minute. I don't know if it was made at the last minute. Um, But yeah, uh, the, the government there in Qatar, they decided that they were going to disallow alcoholic beverages at the stadium. I know my good friends over at Budweiser are not happy about this. <laughs> For sure. Uh, no, because I do believe that uh, Budweiser, I think they spent like millions trying to make sure that beer 
that they had plenty of beer for right, sale. Right. Uh, the sale of beer, uh, as we talked about, all of it is going to be disallowed now. Uh, and I think my friends over at Budweiser, as we know, um, the one of the world leaders, all right, and providing uh, people with the best quality beer in the world. Uh, the Budweiser Twitter account posted, uh, well, this is awkward on their Twitter account before deleting it. <laughs> they deleted it, though, because I think they realized that they were, you know, they're kind of walking the line there. Right. And they got to talk to the government over there because I believe they're going to be looking for reimbursement because they spent millions of dollars uh, trying to make sure they got their product over there so that fans who were enjoying the World Cup could also enjoy uh, Budweiser products. Not going to be the case, uh, at least now at the stadiums. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a bad look. Yeah, man. That's a bad look. But my, my biggest question is, what was the conversation prior to this? Like, where was the negotiation table during this time for both sides? For I'm both no- sides. Because, obviously, this, this doesn't seem to be something that is regulated, so to speak. Right? So, you're saying they, they now cannot have alcohol around the perimeter. Was this not discussed before they got there? They have them at this, that, that fan fest they're talking about yeah. and some other licensed venues. But, yeah, at the stadiums, at the actual the, the stadiums. Oh, not, at the stadiums, yes, they're not going to be able to do it. At okay. the, at the right. World Cup stadiums, they've banned all alcohol. Okay. But they will have, like, fan fests outside of these stadiums and other destinations you can go to that are licensed venues. Um, but but from the, from the stadium perimeters and the stadium, I believe they're removing beer from those. So basically, you get so they're focusing the sell get, alcohol at these other places, you, not the stadiums. You get blasted to go into the stadium. You got a pregame like up. a pregame like a mofo. <laughs> With a pregame like a mofo. So man. by the time the yeah. game is over, you sober. Which which honestly, <laughs> it encourages binge drinking, right? Right, right. We all have witnessed that at college. Oh my like, goodness! They, they disallow when they didn't allow yes. alcohol in the stadiums. People yes. start binge drinking. You don't want that either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and you don't want to be breaking laws in other countries. We know that, too. <clears throat> right? Especially <Yeah. laughs> when you don't necessarily know the yeah. laws in those other countries. Exactly. And you don't want to be breaking no laws over there. So, uh, yeah, that's obviously a very touchy subject uh, for all the World Cup fans out there. Um, yeah, but how do you think? Is your wife excited? Your wife's a big soccer yeah, fan. Yeah, big right? soccer fan, but, I mean, she's going to have plenty of beer. Does she think our men <laughs> going to be oh, uh, all right? No, they're not. They're not excited about our. They're not men. excited about our men. No. They're the youngest no. team, I think, in the World Cup. I like. I'm excited about them because they are young. They're young. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Because that energy is going to be a little bit different. They're going to be more aggressive. They're going to take more risk. But you know, like anything else, this is the oh, time is where you can't have slip ups. No, and so. inexperience is not necessarily a good thing in the World Cup. Yeah, no doubt. That's not, I don't know if that's necessarily an advantage for them, but uh, we'll see. I mean, a lot of people are excited about the youth just because they don't know a lot of these guys. Uh, they can make a name for themselves on the biggest stage in the world. Yeah, you kind of want to be in the middle of the age group, right? Yeah, you want you know, some experience. Yeah, yeah, uh, these yeah. guys don't have very little, if any. Right. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll uh, get our last segment in. We'll talk about the Cowboys, their big game coming up versus the Minnesota Vikings. Throw in a little Texans conversation. They got a matchup versus the Commanders on the other side. And we'll get in some Texas Jayhawk conversation. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 and now the Horn.